Hello, everybody. This is One More Road for the Beer, the Beer Travel and Food Podcast, where we go around European cities and give you a guide to the best places to drink beer, eat food in those cities. I'm Zachary Johnson. With me, as always, is Joe Stang. Hi, Zachary. Hello. So let's dive right in because I think we got a lot to talk about. Where are we going? Yeah, we're going back to Belgium today, uh-huh. which, you know, is sort of my... Uh, I get, I get excited uh, because I know things. And why is that, Joseph? <laughs> well, thanks for asking. Uh, I am co-author of The Good Beer Guide to Belgium, and I've spent a lot of time researching some of these places and, and spending time in them. We may go a little longer than usual today because I got a lot I want to pack in. I'll try to keep it tight, but, you know, it's, we don't like to do the laundry list. I'm going to try to paint a picture and put us in the context, and, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Right on. So, first of all, where is Antwerp exactly in Belgium? Like, what, what region are we talking here? and What language are we talking here? It's in Flanders. Uh, it's in the region called Antwerp, and it's basically in the north and central. It's straight north of Brussels. Uh, if you're driving a car, it only takes about 40 minutes. Okay. And there's these quick, you know, trains that go there faster than that. So it's uh, it's easy to reach. It's practically a suburb. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, they would love to hear you say that. No, it's um, Antwerp is a very proud city. More proud than Brussels, really. And uh, it, Antwerp is its own thing. And uh, it's tempting sometimes to think of it as like the capital of Flanders or something. It's definitely not the capital of Flanders. Technically, Brussels is the capital of Flanders. That's very confusing. Let's not even go there and try to explain that. Okay. But, you know, people from Ghent talk about people from Antwerp, talk about people from Bruges, and they all talk about each other. Yeah, they're all Flemish, but they're all pretty different. And they all have funny nicknames for each other. And uh, so Antwerp is Antwerp. It's its own creature. Right. But the through line, I'm guessing, is the beer. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's As usual, it's what the, the beer, the royal family, the football team, and cycling. Right. Well, yeah. So, and uh, possibly Fritz. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The food, of course. Yeah. So I think the, the way to maybe to start would be two things I highly recommend you do if you have very little time in Antwerp. Knock these two things out. First, climb something high and get a good look around. Uh, I would recommend the uh, the Museum on the Strom, which is the, also called the Mas, M-A-S. It is free to go to the rooftop. It's like a helix-like escalator system that'll take you up. There's a lot of changing exhibits in there if you feel like doing some museuming, uh, including one with a port nautical theme. You get to the top and you get a good look around and you'll see, you'll have a good view of the old city, including the very spiky cathedral spire, which is pretty impressive. And you're going to see the absolute immensity of the port. It's the second biggest port in Europe. Oh, wow. And next to it, the city is nothing. Uh, you can just see barges and containers going forever in the, in the, in the Scheld River, basically going you know, big and wide. And it's the belly button of Europe. So actually, Rotterdam is slightly bigger, but it's also not very far away. So it's this, that, that little region of Europe is really where so much comes in and goes out. And it's been that way for a long time. Antwerp in the 16th century was the richest city in the world. And so wow. enjoying the, the old city there is sort of getting a, a taste of what that splendor was. And, and uh, This is interesting because I think this is the first place we've done that we both haven't been to. Yeah, maybe so. I've been around Belgium, but mostly in the south, in the Ardennes and Bastion, and obviously Brussels. Never been up to the coast, so you're sort of leading me through here, and I, I have in my mind this kind of like old city center with cobbled streets and kind of, you know, stained glass windows and... Gabled houses? Yeah, gabled houses uh-huh. and old pirate bars and things like that. Mm, old pirate bars. Mm, no, but there will be fish. There will be fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there will be fish, I promise. Uh, so the other must do is you have to get a bolike. And the bolike is a glass of beer, 
a special glass of beer. The there's a particular beer that's emblematic of Antwerp, and it's the De Koning Pale Ale. Okay. Uh, and it comes in a balloon-shaped glass. That's why the name Bolleke. It's a p- easy-drinking amber ale. Uh, it's a, got a little dusty, earthy bitterness to it, but it's soft. It's got a little bit of a cookie-ish malt character, but it's easy. Um, and um, it's special, and it's very attractive in its glass, but it's also very easy to drink. And it's also not expensive. Uh, so I imagine then it's pretty much anywhere you go, you can get one of these. Exactly. You can get a bolleke just about anywhere. You could pop into just about any neighborhood cafe or bar and have a bolleke, and that's a truly Antwerp experience right there. Are there different breweries doing the bollocks for different bars, or is it just one brewery that it's, sends it out? It's one beer from one brewery, right. and that's the De Koning Brewery. I would recommend if you're, you know, again, just in the center for a bit and you want to hit like one kind of classic cafe for one, there's one in the corner of the Grotemarkt, that's the main square, called Den Engel, uh, and it's an old place, tiles and wood and lots of nostalgic knickknackery. There's a big old clock hanging over the bar that always says five to midnight. <laughs> that way Cinderella never has to go home. <laughs> And, oh, the fairy tale of Belgium. Yeah, and you get a perfectly poured bolique there for two euros and 30 cents. Wow, that's amazing, especially in like the center square of an old town. Because he'll be able to get a beer for that price. Is yeah, and Belgium's not, the, Belgium's not the cheapest place to drink either. So it's a nice little thing. Yeah, very fresh in, in the place where it's from. Yeah, wow. And you can go to where it's from. You can take tram number seven down to the De Koning Brewery uh, and you can do a tour. It's one of the most visitor-friendly breweries in Belgium. To back up a little bit, the brewery was independent, family-run, almost as long as Belgium has been a country. It's been around since 1833 under different names. But in 2010, it was bought. So that was a bit of a blow to Antwerp, right? Uh, it was bought by the Duvel Brewery, Duvel Mordgat. And they, you know, Duvel's not that far away. It's like 20 kilometers south of the brewery. But again, in Belgium, that's like another world. So that was sort of a little blow to to Antwerp's, uh, you know, independence, I suppose. But actually, if anything, arguably the beer has gotten more consistent than it used to be. And and, uh, again, still affordable. It's still good. Um, But a nice thing that Dufel did was they turned the brewery into this thing that's really easy to visit. It does cost 14 euros a person, which I think is a bit high. It's cheaper for kids. Kids can tour it too. But self-guided, you can go anytime. I forget what day it's closed. It might be Monday or something, but otherwise... From 10 to 6, pop in. You can go through in different languages. It's interactive, right? So uh, the little videos pop up and tell you funny stories. And right. and you get the old, you know, how do we make beer thing again. And, you know, but there's, a lot, there's also a lot of brewery history and Antwerp history. And at the end, you get to drink beers, of course. So there's a, there's a neat bar at the end. And not just the Deconic beers, but also uh, other Dufel beers to try. Right. So your 14 euro is going towards a beer at the end as well. I think it's a bit high, but right. I think if you want the local brewery experience, then it's in your tourist. It's not that much, you know. It's yeah. it's it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it sounds like a good afternoon. It is, and there's more on the brewery complex as well. They've, it's like a they've turned it into this sort of gastronomic wonderland now. There's a, a really good barbecue joint there called Black Smoke, where you really have to get a reservation because it's often fully booked, sometimes weeks in advance. There's a proper cheesemonger, cheese affineur. There's a butcher. There's a baker, 
There's not a candlestick maker. There's a chocolatier. And so there's a lot to do in there. Um, I don't know if you'd call it necessarily a local Antwerp experience, but it's something that they put a lot of investment into making this a sort of eye-opener for gastronomes. Right on. Something a little more maybe typical local across the street is a really good little old cafe called The Pilgrim. Uh, and uh, it's a cycling theme. Uh, it's And they've got all the Duvel beers and all the Duconi beers too, of course. Uh, and they've got some good cooking and, and uh, it's it's a cool little place. It's called The Pilgrim, eh? The Pilgrim. Is, is that where you came up with your uh, handle for your blog? By no, any chance? No. No, I thought I'm, there might have been a little bit of kismet magic there for the Thirsty Pilgrim I am fans. getting thirsty now you mention it. <laughs> Another place in this neighborhood I have to mention, this neighborhood is called Berchem. That's where the, the brewery is. Again, easy reachable by tram. It's called The Bone or Het Bain. A very cool little local cafe, not owned by Duvel <laughs> and, or, or Tukoni. Uh, it's just a good little cafe, 60-something beers, a lot of really great ones like uh, Orbeer from the Dola and, and Gurs from Out Beresel and um, friendly, chatty candlelight in the evenings and um, a cool cool place sounds like you can have a day just in this neighborhood between those three spots yeah you can and especially if you wanted to get away from like the main tourist and shopping drag it's very That's nice right. and then again you're on the tram line so yeah. you can pop right back in easy yeah easily how much are trams there these days a couple of euros right and it's easy to figure out the machines have an english button and i understand why people who don't want to learn how to do a local transit option just get a taxi because it's easy but wow, it's usually not hard to figure out the tram or the metro. Yeah, because I remember even in Brussels, the tram line, not only did it have an English option, but it took credit cards. So it's really like you don't even have to worry about having euros on you if you haven't been to the ATM yet. Yeah. It's literally that easy. Yeah. And this will pop you out again, pretty much close to the cathedral and the Grotemarkt. So oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So when you do come back into town. Which is where all the great bars are, right in the <laughs> right, center. Right, right. We got, you got to go back. You got to go back to the center. Right. So you, you kind of maybe have a nice little lunch, have a beer or two, then you sort of come back in and applaud a course around the center. Yeah. Well, there's, I think, a couple I want to get out of the way because they're a little more craft beery, but they're good. And you know me, I want to get to the old brown bars, right? right. So we get we got to knock these other two out of the way first. One is just north of Central Station, which, by the way, is one of the most beautiful train stations in the world. Um, incredible, like super steampunk palace of just huh. yeah oh, it's beautiful wow. beautiful station and just north of there a few blocks is a bar called beer lovers and you know it's going to be familiar to you <laughs> it's kind of minimalist um it's black right but the beer is the thing and they've got 12 taps always something good um they're not super limited to belgian beers although they always are belgian beers there but there'll be some really great dutch craft beers on sometimes uh, they also have about 150 bottled beers you know Neatly chosen, good cheese, good uh, good dried sausages, and, and a place where if you you know if you want to just go and geek out, pull out your favorite beer app and just not feel shame about it. That's the <laughs> that would be a perfectly good place to do so it. So are these going to be like new younger craft beers from the area, or are they pulling in things from all over Europe? A, a mix, yeah, a mix. They definitely try the local stuff, but if it's not good, he won't serve it. Oh, okay. but there is. A mix of European, you know, up-and-comers uh, and better, somewhat edgier Belgian stuff. You're not going to find a whole lot of classics. And I think West Muller Double on Tap might be as classic as it gets there, which is great. Uh, but you'll see the stuff from Derank, uh, Bercy de la Seine, um, that sort of thing, really kind of hoppier, uh, on the hoppier side of things. Okay, right on. Yeah. So then where do you go next after that? Well, there's one that I think now we're going to transition into brown bars with one that's a bit of both. It's like a hybrid to me, uh, and it's called Billy's. 
Billy's has a strong argument for being the best beer bar in Antwerp right now. That's a bold uh, statement. What can I say? The, the people who like to send me their opinions universally just rave about it. So uh, it is, the, and I, I like it very much as well. It's they got uh, 11 taps. They have about 100 bottles. A couple things that this has an advantage of this place over others is atmosphere-wise. It really is in the spirit of a brown bar. I mean, there's some wood. The bones of the place are old. Um, it, it is an old building, and, and they've used that to good advantage. So it, it doesn't feel like a, a new wave bar. Just to uh, refresh our listeners, what makes a brown bar a brown bar? Yeah, so... <laughs> It's a whole bunch of things. Like I think if you tallied it up, maybe you get a score high enough and go ding, ding, brown cafe, right? <laughs> it can be wood paneling. You know, uh, there's age to the place. Like you can't make a brown bar from scratch. It needs time. Sometimes there may be a nicotine patina on the place, right? And uh, a basic sort of friendliness as well. Um, age, old things on the walls maybe. And it's a bunch of properties that sort of add up in your mind and you walk in and you just feel it, you know it. Yeah, it's something that feels lived in, and it's got a generationalness to it. Right, and this feels like it, even though it's not that old, really. They do have a smattering of international craft beers, but they've also got some really nicely chosen uh, Belgian beers that, that appear as well, always in, from independence. And they have food, which and like you can go there and eat a proper meal, and enough to get you to go on for a while. And they, they do beer cooking, doing uh, pig cheeks marinated in Rodenbach Grand Cru. Ooh. Or the the carbonade, the, <laughs> the the Flemish beef stew that's been cooked in uh, San Bernardus strong ale. So, oh. or they have chili nachos if you want to go that way. They can do <laughs> right. that too. Or you can do bitter ballen. They have like you know fried lumpia, um, simple snacks too. Do they do the uh, spaghetti bolognese there as well, or is that more uh, a Brussels thing? I don't think they have spaghetti at this one. Right. I could be wrong. Right, right. It wouldn't shock me, but I don't think so. <laughs> it, I would say it gets busy fast. Uh, it's a popular place. Uh, if you go on a weekend, go early. Go near opening time around 4 o'clock, I think, uh, or, or on a weekday. Maybe maybe better to go in the middle of the week and earlier hour and then make, make sure you get a, get a table and make yourself comfortable. So what sort of interests me about this place is how you're saying it kind of bridges the old school and the new school of craft and traditional beer. I always have a question about the scene in Belgium and how the craft scene sort of ebbs and flows because you have such a foundational traditional beer scene there with you know the, the sours and those sorts of things and the uh, farmhouses but also the loggers and etc cetera, etc cetera. so does the craft scene feel more like an embracing of the traditional or does craft scene feel more like what we see in the west where you know the, the double ipas and the imperial stouts and what we think of as classical craft beer at this point or is it kind of a mix of both? I really like this question. <laughs> uh, and um, I think Belgium is a really fascinating place to look at the mingling of the traditional and what we, I mean, the new wave, what we call craft, whatever, variety beer, whatever. I mean, Belgium is doing variety beer long before it was cool. I mean, you, could, you can look at cafe lists around the turn of the century, like the other century, like around 1900, and you can see bars that are serving stout and Munich lager and Lambic. Right. And many other types of beers, all you know, already. So in a way, they were doing craft way before anybody else. Uh, you can also consider how how much Belgian beers influence craft beer around the world. I mean, they're one of the biggest influences, right? So for real. So then, what about the Belgian breweries now that are trying to imitate international style or American style craft beer? Sometimes they're they're imitating it very faithfully, doing it 
like a simple mash and American yeast and it's these clean, you know, American hops and, and um, I find that really boring. Yeah. And yet there's many others that are sticking to certain Belgian brewing traditions, bottle conditioning, more complicated uh, mash schedule using, using more local malts, using local hops and using more expressive yeasts as well. And I think you end up with something really distinctive when you're trying to apply the sort of um, the new style of pushing flavor as far as you can go, but then having it restrained by the Belgian sense of balance and the Belgian uh, traditional methods. It's, it makes some cool stuff. So in the new scene then, what sort of things have been popping out for you recently in the new craft scene in Belgium? Has it been uh, stuff that embraces the traditional stuff or stuff they're doing better than we're doing say right. in america well um as we're speaking i just spent the weekend there uh and we went to the the zethos beer festival which is the closest thing belgium has to a national beer festival and there was a depressing number of uh, of you know cleanly brewed double dry hop ipas and things that that uh you know i'm <laughs> sure yeah I'm, I'm sure they're fine but that's not uh that's not what i'm going for you know that's not why i'm in belgium for because you can get that anywhere else these days um, but there's things like uh, from a brewery called Siphon, for example, there's this, I had tasted this really amazing imperial coffee oyster stout. And they're doing it in a, in a Belgian way in some ways with bottle conditioning and, or keg conditioning and, um, and giving it time. And, but that's totally a mental, like, <laughs> it's partly British and partly just extreme. Right. And it, it turned out so wonderfully balanced and, and really easy to drink and, and understand. But there's also an oyster culture there. I mean, they have the coast and, you know, that coast of France, they grow a lot of oysters, so... Yeah, it makes sense. And it's yeah. a port city and, you know, a lot of stout moving around is because of the ports, so... Yeah, that's right. Stout is still popular in Belgium still, so... In a way, in a way. Yeah. Right, we've gone off track, which is wonderful. Oh, yeah. uh, that was a wonderful <laughs> tangent. So, back, uh, back to the bars. Yeah. <laughs> Old brown bars. Here we go. Right, so... Another one that absolutely has to be mentioned, legendary Antwerp bar is the Kulmanader. And it is, um, I, I have to admit, 10 years ago, I would not have said it would still exist right now. Hmm. Um, the sweet old couple who run it, you know, they're getting up there in years and yet they're still, they're champions. They're still still running this place. They're tough. Uh, and occasionally there are odd hours for, for health issues. Um, so you have to kind of check the recent hours and, and the reality is you just have to walk by and see if they're going to be open. It's an evening place, candlelight. It seems like the whole place is made out of little nooks where you can have quiet conversation about beers uh, or, you know, politics. If you're so inclined, I would, I don't recommend it. And they have usually, I think around 10 draft beers, uh, usually leaning quite strong. The owner Dirk particularly likes barley wines and strong ales, and and around Christmas time, it's going to be like an all-star list of strong Christmas beers there oh. on tap, which is pretty fun. But that's not even the main attraction, man. The main attraction is this treasure of a cellar that they have. They've been cultivating it for decades, and it is where to go drink aged Belgian ales. They have a, a menu of them that's like a phone book. Um, and you have to ask for it, ask nicely, order something else first, you know, be a good customer first. And then you can ask for the secret phone book, you know, it's like 80 pages. I'm never quite sure what I'm going to find in there. I don't know if they still have, they used to have a, um, almost like going back 30 years every year of uh, Chimay Blue. So you could taste, like if I've set up a vertical tasting for how it ages over the years. Wow. They've got aged Orvals, uh, aged, you know, strong Flemish beers like Panapot, uh, Streise Panapot, and, and uh, Or Beer from the Dola and Stille Nacht. Um, these just weren't like world-class, beautiful 
big ales that have just been sitting maybe for 10 or 20 years. And of course, you know, they're not the same price as a new beer. Of course. You got to pay for this privilege. Um, you know, I, I hear a lot still that um, beer is best drunk fresh, period, full stop. Well, not necessarily. You know, maybe you should come here and you can find out for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think generally that's true. But, um, you know, they have Gurs is going back 20 years in this place and, and, or, and some older, spotty, or, you know, years of older vintages. And, and you can really taste how Gurs is not going bad. It does not go bad. Right. It does evolve. Uh, and so it's, it's fun to uh, have an evening of that. So this sounds like the perfect example of why, like, say you're in Seattle or L.A. right now and you're about to go spend 50 bucks on a bottle of Belgian beer, not to buy that bottle, save that money and go to this place. Yeah. And find this one-of-a-kind experience with Belgian beer that you would probably never get more than once in a lifetime. That's right. Save that crazy rare beer money for plane tickets. Right. Especially these days with budget airlines where it's only a few hundred bucks anyway. Yeah. Although obviously vacation times, you know, make a long weekend. (laughs) Long weekend. (laughs) You don't need to sleep. Yeah. (laughs) There's plenty of three-day weekends throughout the year. Yeah. (laughs) No, but this sounds like an amazing, just such a rarity that you don't even find, you know, in in a lot of major beer cities. I, I still think it's one of those beer bars that like beer geeks all know. Except now we have a whole other generation of beer geeks that probably don't know it anymore. Right. So um, I don't know. At least that's what I like to think that us old timers can tell them a few things, <laughs> a few secrets out there. Uh, another really great one, not too far from there. Um, that's if you really want to get a feel for what a like a classic brown cafe is like, it's the Oud Arsenal, and it is. Um, it's just a beautiful. It's it's almost like a museum to sit in there. It's beautiful tiles and like well chosen enamel beer signs on the walls. There are newspapers. There's a cat, uh, you know. And, there, and there's one bar. You go up to the bar for your service. And although it completely deserves to be a mad tourist attraction, it's actually usually packed with locals who just love the place. So you can really kind of sit and observe life happening there. And uh, and and the beer selection changes all the time, um, but it's always good. Uh, always with the unusual things, and that's a, that's a good one too. I think I'd highly recommend. Nice. And so the beer selection. So pretend that you know we're talking to a novice here, and for somebody going to Belgium, and they they're going to fly into Brussels. I mean, just automatically. Sure. And they're probably going to have a night or two in Brussels before they go up to Antwerp. Uh, yeah, as they should. Right, right. I'm guessing they're going to see a lot of the same beers in these bars as like a sort of standard base. You know, you'd be surprised how regionalized uh, the Belgian beers are. Okay. Um, there are some beers you can see, of course, all over the country. Trappist beers are, you know, you can find virtually all the Trappist beers virtually all across the country. Okay. But otherwise, it's pretty regional. I mean, there are some, a Duvel is a beer you can find anywhere. Um, of course, the big lagers like Schupel or Estella, you can find those anywhere, right? Right. But beyond those, then you get into the regional craft breweries. And there are certain ones that you really only mostly find in their region. Okay. And then you have certain bars like this, Aud Arsenal where they're interested enough in beer that they're going to go outside their region uh, and find things that they really like. Um, you know, they might, you know, get a, a Hoppy de Ranca beer from uh, from Wallonia, you know, or Lupulus from the Ardennes, you know. Right. Uh, but they're also going to be especially interested in local stuff. So new breweries that have popped up. And now there's, you know, I'm losing track of the number these days. I mean, we're, we have 260 breweries in Belgium now, actual breweries, not counting all the marketing firms and things that are pretending to be breweries. <laughs> right. 
there's a, a lot more than it used to be. So there's always new local things to try. Interesting. It sounds like a, we've had a very long day of drinking going through all these bars so far. Oh, we have to get one more of these old Oh, rounds. no, for sure. Yeah. It's sort of like, it's sort of just to uh, remind everybody, like we're still in like walking distance, all these ones in the center. I mean, it's sure. not like you even really need a bike to get between these or a tram. We're in a very, conf- not confined, but a very um, concentrated area. Yeah, Central Enterprise is very walkable. And, you know, we're only scratching the surface, of course. Uh, there's so many right. places to find and, and discover on your own in this area. I have to mention one of my favorites. I don't think, like, you know, the Kulmanader and Oud Arsenal are definitely known classics, right? But this one, to me, is a classic, but maybe a bit less known. It's called the Water Jakob. Okay. It looks like Wary Jacob. And it is, like, we're talking about what's a brown cafe. If you're not sure, you can walk into here, and it's sort of, like, defined for you, three-dimensionally. Wood paneling, benches on the walls. It does have that carefully preserved nicotine patina. Um, (laughs) There's mirrors with the latest beer specials scrawled on them. There's a vague nautical theme. I mean, it is Antwerp, right? And he keeps 80, 90 beers, knockout list. He's somebody who's very interested in beer, so he's always looking for new, better breweries to include on the list. Also, a lot of places you come in like this are going to be very quiet, but I kind of like that too. But this place is, he's always playing like really good blues or jazz or or classic rock and and stuff. And so that's that's very cool too, and you get a good beer and comfort music, I suppose. And if you don't want to play around with the new beers, new breweries, two things you will always find on tap here. San Bernard is 12. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. West Flemish, dark, rich Abbey beer, the cousin to West Blader and the hard-to-find Travis beer, right? Yeah, wonderful one for finishing the night with. And similarly, another strong one from Brasserie Dupont, the Avec les Bons Vues. That's another killer. It is. It's about 9.5%, but you would never know it. It's because it's like kind of dryish and and bittersweet, and and it's got a rustic, uh, yeasty character to it, and um, it's it's dangerously drinkable. Oh, yeah. I remember a certain Christmas party at a certain Belgian bar where I had a few of those, and uh, things kind of went (laughs) pear-shaped. Was that my fault? Sorry. No, no, no. That was was a man named Bart's fault. Let's leave it at that. Bart. (laughs) And so, sort of as a a question, because, you know, we keep talking about being a a port city in the waterfront. Is there anywhere sort of like on the waterfront to go and like, because I don't know what, like, what's the open container rules there? Like, can you grab a nice bottle of beer and walk along the waterfront and have a a drink? Or is the the port still industrialized? There's plenty of walking along the waterfront. uh, And it's nice. Maybe not as much there as there ought to be. I feel like there ought to be, there are cafes down there, restaurants, but I think, I don't know why, for whatever reason, most of them are not that interesting. You can definitely go down there and sit by the water, though, and, and have a nice have a nice time, for sure. Right. But for whatever reason, most of the more interesting old bars are more in the old commercial area, as with the old, old town. Then the next question, I think, would be, or what I would imagine, there's got to be some good food coming out of that water, though. Oh, well, yes. Right. It certainly is, yeah. Well, one thing you have to eat when you're in Antwerp, if you're into weird foods. Uh, Define I, uh, weird, Joe. <laughs> well, I'll try. There's a famous sandwich, some might say legendary, from Antwerp called the Martino. There's a whole story behind it. It's not that interesting, really. But what's interesting is what's in it. It is raw beef ground up uh, with salt, pepper, Tabasco, pili pili chili, Worcestershire, pickles, onions. I think that's everything. You're talking my language. Right yeah, there. there may be some mayo in there, or you know, mustard or optionally. Um, uh, that, but that's a Martino. 
it came because in the 1950s, some drunk and starving uh, football player, soccer player, wandered into a, a bar run by his friend who was a, re- a retired player, I believe, and said, I'm really hungry. Give me you know everything you have in the kitchen. Put it on the sandwich. So supposedly that's what happened. <laughs> it's a likely story. Yeah. Well. Sounds could, just like could, a beef tartare sandwich to me. With, <laughs> a lot of good stuff on it. Yeah, exactly. It's an acquired taste, I guess. But uh, if you can handle some raw, you know, like steak tartare. In Belgium, they call it steak American, but it's tartare. And yeah, it's. I think it's one of those things. If you got to tick off the local strange foods, you want to tick that one off. And a good place to get one is actually one of the best beer bars around as well. The Paris Vatia. Inside the bar is Art Nouveau. Got a lot of locals as well as tourists in there. There's a lofted area you can sit up and and watch the crowd from while you're sipping your uh, lupulus or whatever you'd like to drink. As much as I like sitting inside, I think I like sitting out in the terrace even better. Um, There's a lot of people watching there, a lot of traffic going through, but it's also bang across from the cathedral. And the cathedral is impressive. Um, You'll want to make time to go in, of course, um, but it's a mostly 15th century cathedral. There's been a church there since the 9th, but whatever. The main thing is that there's this spire that goes up 404 feet. It's the highest in the low countries. And when you're sitting just across this little alley from it, you're craning your neck up 180 degrees, you know, to see that thing. And that's a cool thing to uh, appreciate with a good beer. And why did, why do these people want to make us feel so small? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. The other thing, last thing, some of the best shrimp coquettes I've ever had are in central Antwerp. There's a little fresh fish stall called fish go and it's near the cathedral. And the concept is so simple. You wonder why more people don't do it, but it's basically chef made properly cooked, fresh seafood done pretty quickly. And that's it inexpensively. Here it is. Get out of here. And they have these, the shrimp croquette is like a rectangular slab. It's a proper snack. If you have two, that might be a meal. They're also doing uh, salmon and deep fried sardines and uh, these amazingly like striking looking razor clams. Oh, yeah. Cooked in butter and and herbs. And and, I mean, it's just, they're they're doing all sorts of things. They're probably whatever is just coming out of the ocean, but I think they have favorite things they're looking for, like those razor clams. And they usually have a couple of beers in the fridge. If you're lucky, if you're going to get the shrimp coquette, get yourself a nice red-brown Flemish sweet tart ale, like a Rodenbach. Sometimes they have one of those in there. More often, it's the um, the triple made by the Koning, the uh, triple d'Anvers, which is a perfectly nice, soft, easygoing, strong, blonde beer that'll go with just about anything you're eating. I think it'll go better with most of those things than a glass of white wine, which they also have. You know. <laughs> if you're so inclined. So yeah. When I think of a croquette, I think of more like a like fried ball of like potato dough. Mm-hmm. It's more of like a bechamel, like right. almost cheesy, creamy bechamel. Uh, and it's the little gray shrimps, right? The North Sea shrimp. Uh, it's got to be made fresh, handmade night before to do it right. And you kind of, you put that mix of the bechamel and spices and, and shrimp in your shape, put them in the fridge overnight, and then you've, yeah, fry the batter and fry those the next oh. day. Fresh and molten and seafoody, shrimpy goodness. It's so nice. Squeeze a little lemon on that with some this fried parsley on it. And then it's just uh, with that, with the beer is... I'm starting to get hungry again. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, wow, I think that's an episode. Unless, Jasper, did you want to add anything? I'm good. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, that's it for uh, today, everybody. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Please subscribe on iTunes and please uh, rate us on iTunes wherever you listen to podcasts as well. That really, really helps us. And yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Road for the Beer. You can follow us on Instagram to see where we're drinking currently at One More Road for the Beer. 
Uh, you can find Joe Stang at thirstypilgrim.com and thirstypilgrim on Instagram and Twitter and all that. Uh, you can find me at Uproxx Life, Zach Johnston. You can also find me on Twitter at ZTP Johnston. Same thing on Instagram to see where I'm traveling and drinking beer too and see where Joe's traveling and drinking yeah. beer. Look and us eating. up, hit us up. If there's some place yeah. you think we ought to get to, let us know. Tell us. Absolutely. And uh, this was edited by the great Test Card in Berlin and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.